Good morning, Turning Point. You may be seated. So good seeing you today. Happy Father's Day weekend. So excited for Pastor Jeff and Cindy and them to be away this weekend and for these last few weeks. And sounds like um, that they're going to have some time of rest and just replenishment and be able to come back. And so we're excited to get a chance to be with you during that time. Great worship this morning and uh, love your leadership here at this church. Love Pastor Jeff. Don't you have an amazing leadership team and Valerie and Brendan and all the rest of the staff and those? Come on, let's give them a hand and let them know how much you appreciate them. She's got such a great team in the worship and just everyone that's here. So it's always an honor to get to be with you. And it's great uh, to be with you on Father's Day weekend. Uh, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. We're going to look at one passage you can take a marker or just your whatever you want to do there, place a pen or something on Matthew 6, verse 11. We'll look at another passage that Jesus talks about. And um, as you're turning to that, why don't you tell the person beside you, they look incredibly amazing this Father's Day weekend. Would you go ahead and do that? Just tell them. You look amazing. No one looks better than you today sitting in that seat. Well, I'll probably be preaching to the choir today, preaching to myself, some of the illustrations I'll use and some of the thoughts. I'm a journeyer with you on this journey because today I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about what it means to be living present in the moment of today because that's all we have. According to God's word, we cannot bring yesterday back. Tomorrow has not happened. Therefore, what we have is this moment. We have today. Am I the only one guilty while driving on the interstate or in town that I constantly change lanes trying to find the lane that's moving the quickest? Would anyone else raise your hand and join me and we'll get a small group going here in the DFW area? I'm guilty of that, you know. Changing lanes, thinking I'll get there a little quicker if I just keep changing lanes, only to look at my watch and realize I never really got there quicker. I just did a, a lot of movement. Now, some of you are acting real holy because you don't do that in driving, but you do it in the grocery store. You look for the lane that's always moving the quickest, because you want to get out. They've diagnosed that in our day as the sickness of hurry, is what that's called. We're always in a hurry. But we really do have a challenge of being able to embrace this biblical truth of being present in the moment. How many would agree that these don't help at times, right? I mean, you have to be intentional to put these up in the right moments. They're very helpful and they serve a purpose, but wow, we live in such a day where it is a challenge. If you're not intentionally active of being present in the moment, we lose so many opportunities and moments. Matthew Kelly in his book, The Rhythm of Life, says that actually love and hurry cannot coexist at the same time. That to be in relationships where we meaningfully are involved and engaged, that is a carefree timeless, timelessness that cannot happen if hurry is in our heart. 
So for a few moments today, I want to talk to you about living in the moment. Now, I'm not advocating laziness. I'm not suggesting that we should not be all about planning because to fail to plan is to plan to fail. I'm not saying there's not a place for vision because I believe this book is about vision and where we're going and all the things God has for us. But the vision God gives us in Scripture, much of what God talks about, those things that are in front of us, was never meant to be an impediment to the today or the, or the moment. So, again, I just want to talk to you about some thoughts in Scripture and some things that Jesus says and a, and a few others in Scripture that talk about learning to live in the moment. See, I believe Jesus understood better than anyone the importance of living in the moment and being present. As a matter of fact, everything I read in the, in the letters of red in the New Testament with Jesus is he lived in the moment and he was consistently dedicated to being engaged and living in the moment with the people that he was with. He was present with them in their pain, their suffering, their celebration, their joy. Jesus modeled for you and I what it meant to live in the moment. And when Jesus would make statements, they were very intentional, they were significant, and they were always leading you towards a thought of the kingdom or a new way of thinking. Jesus introduces to the disciples um, a new paradigm, a new dynamic, a way of praying in Matthew chapter 6. It's the first time that Jewish listeners have ever really heard God referred to as Father. Their world has been rocked already by Jesus saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus is teaching them a new paradigm of what it means in their relationship with the Father. But I believe it's the third stanza that Jesus leans in and he just establishes that principle and that truth of what it means about being able to be present in the moment. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. Could we read it collectively? Come on, let's read it together. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, for you to understand the significance of that passage, you've got to understand the listeners and those that were present when Jesus was teaching this. The people that were listening to Jesus in this moment when Jesus said, give us this day our, our daily bread. The people that were listening were used to earning their wages on a daily basis. So the people listening to Jesus in Matthew six eleven, when Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, could understand what Jesus is sharing because they worked for daily wages. They would get up. They would go to work, they would earn their wages, they would eventually see a supervisor that would come to them and give them their earnings for that day. They would take those earnings, they'd go to the market, they'd buy meat or bread, and they would take care of the essential needs in their family, in their life, but they were accustomed to working for that day. Basically, if you didn't work, you didn't eat. They were used to working for that day. They would get, they practiced the Sabbath. 
But these people, the group of listeners, understood what Jesus was talking about. They knew Jesus was not simply talking about just food. Jesus was talking about a framework of understanding of a principle in God's word of what it means to trust God on a daily basis. To be able to live in the moment, to be present. Could I say this on this Father's Day weekend? One of the greatest gifts you can give one another is for you to be fully in the moment with those that you're with. It's one of the greatest gifts that you can give them. Jesus is teaching this principle in Matthew 6, 11, and he talks about depending on God. This concept is all throughout the Old Testament. It's all throughout the New Testament. The Jewish listeners in this chapter, they knew there was a correlation between what Jesus was teaching in Matthew 6, 11 and Exodus 16. They had heard their ancestors for years tell them the story that they were delivered out of Egypt. God set them free from Pharaoh's slavery. On the journey, their ancestors start complaining. They forget that if God's big enough to deliver us from Egypt, he ought to be big enough to take care of us in the wilderness. But they forget and they complain. They go tell their pastor, Moses, why is it that God's brought us out here? This is Exodus 16 in the Old Testament. Why has God brought us out here? He delivered us from Egypt. Has he not brought us here to die? This provokes God. The children of Israel were frustrated. They were complaining. They were fearful of how they were going to take care of their essential needs. They even said to their pastor Moses, they said, wouldn't it have been better for God to have just left us in Egypt? At least it was predictable there. At least we knew what the menu was. It wasn't Cracker Barrel, but at least we had garlic and onions. This, this is what they said in Scripture. Leave Cracker Barrel out, but this is what they said. And it provoked God so much that eventually he says, Okay, since you have forgotten how well I took care of you coming out of Egypt, and you're concerned about your menu, I'll take care of your menu for the next 40 years. Every day you wake up for the remainder of this journey, and you look out in the morning, on the ground, you're going to have bran flakes and waffles. Every morning. I'm going to drop manna. It's going to be little wafers. They're going to be on the ground. And this is what you're going to eat day in and day out for the next 40 years. You don't ever have to be concerned about your menu. But there's one catch. It's only for a daily portion. You cannot keep it, store it up, or market it. It's only for that day. Eat to your full. Eat till you have, can eat no more. But once you're through, you cannot store it. If you keep it, it won't work. And we know what Exodus 16 says. Many of them tried to keep it. The Bible says it rotted. It wouldn't last the second day. I told some of the earlier services today, had that happened with us in our day, we would have marketed those waffles. <laughs> we had said, ma'am, we're going to do a building program for the church. We're going, to, we're going to real. this is amazing what God's done here. But God said, you cannot keep it and store it. Why would God not have just given them manna or the bran flakes for months or for weeks 
weeks, months, years. Because God was instilling a kingdom principle. And that is, you trust me on a daily basis. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, 11. You trust God on a daily basis. You don't live so much in yesterday that you can't be present in today. You don't become so consumed with tomorrow that you can't be present in today. But you trust me on a daily basis. And later Moses writes in Psalm 9012, very, very, very famous passage. Lord, teach us to number our months. Is that what he says? Lord, teach us to number our years. What's he say? Teach us to number our days. Because listen, God never measures your life in years. God measures your life in 24-hour intervals. God says, I work with you in the increments of today. I'm with you in this moment. You and a thousand horses cannot drag yesterday back. Tomorrow hasn't happened yet. We have today. So God asks, can you trust me today? Can you trust me with your marriage? Can you trust me with your health? Can you trust me with your children? Can you trust me? All the concerns, can you trust me today? And the Israelites, the children of Israel, they struggled with this. Constantly, we have moments throughout the Old Testament where they're complaining with God. They were very acquainted with the ways of, with the works of God. But Moses was acquainted with the ways of God. Moses knew what it meant to trust God on a daily basis. And this is what Jesus is teaching. He's teaching a kingdom principle of trust and dependence on God. And when Jesus says, give us this day, our daily bread, he's demonstrated and modeling what it means to be able to trust God with what's happening in this moment today. Jesus goes on in Matthew 6, and he talks about, he gives a list of all the things God takes care of, the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, in the air. And then he comes and he says, well, God not take care of you. Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom and God will take care of everything else that you're concerned about in your life. And we celebrate that passage. We quote that passage. But you got to realize the people listening to Jesus, they were shocked. These people were, many of them in poverty. Their children were being influenced by the Roman and Greek culture. They were afraid of them losing their heritage. Many of them had lost their land and wealth. It had been stolen. There was no justice. They were led by hypocritical religious leaders who had sold out to Rome. They were being taxed by an unjust government. These were the people that Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Just seek the kingdom. They thought that this was an audacious statement for Jesus to be able to say, how can you ask us not to worry or not to, concern, or not to concern ourselves when this is the environment that we live in? But Jesus was teaching a principle, and it was this. Jesus was conveying that the spiritual always precedes the physical. In one of those passages, it talks about saying that if a sparrow will not fall from the sky that, I do, that I'm not aware of it, 
and I can count the number of hairs on your head, how much more valuable are you to me than the birds of the air? And we celebrate that passage. But did you know in Bible days, a sparrow was considered the most worthless bird on the planet? In the temple, they would give you three sparrows just to get rid of them. They wouldn't charge you anything. And the listeners of that day knew what Jesus was illustrating. The father was saying, if the most worthless bird on the planet in your eyes will not even fall from the heavens that I'm not aware of it, how much more valuable are you being sons and daughters? My creation. God was saying, you can trust me with this day. And your concerns and your needs that are in this day. Could I ask you a question? What are the, what's the greatest enemy of you being able to live in the moment today? There's two. One is yesterday. What's the other? Tomorrow. Let's unpack yesterday for just a few moments. Many of us struggle to live in this moment right now. Today, this Father's Day. Today, because of yesterday. There's things that happen. There's people and there's places that inflicted pain and loss in your life. And it's paralyzed you. You're paralyzed. It's this kind of stuff that you carry from the past in your soul. You carry this around. It's the words that people said. It's the things that people did that haunt you and I. Could I remind you this morning that you are not defined by your past and you are not defined by your pain. You are not, you are not this morning those broken moments in your past. Marriage, bankrupt business, loss, pain, fractured relationships, things, that is not who you are. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you are sons and daughters of God. You are the apple of his eye. You are not those things of your past. He cherishes you and says, I have you with me in this day. Stop losing this moment with me and others I have around you because you're trapped in the pain of yesterday. You can't do that. And many of you would say, well, the reason I struggle is not because of what other people did to me in yesterday. It's because of what I did in yesterday. Pastor Clint, I've done so many things. There's no way God could ever love me, use me. There's no way I could be of value today because of some of the things I've done. Listen, you just welcome to the scripture and to the world of scripture. As a matter of fact, I start reading in the Old Testament and I read, read about a lady named Rahab who was a prostitute, but yet she ends up being able to let God redeem her yesterday and she is in the genealogy of David and Jesus Christ. She married the great-grandfather of David, if I'm correct, and she's able to be used for the kingdom. David, who we know was a worshiper and a warrior, who we read Psalms about and were strengthened by his story. Did you know he also was a murderer? and an adulterer, but yet he was able to let God redeem his yesterday. Are you with me? Simon Peter in the New Testament. A church wouldn't hire Simon Peter today in Western culture if he turned his resume in. 
He abandoned Christ at the lowest moment of his life. Would he have been the individual you would have chosen to go preach at the day of Pentecost and thousands of individuals be saved? But he was able to let God redeem his yesterday and move on from it. The apostle Paul, who has written the majority of the New Testament, the atrocities of Paul. He murdered Christians. He persecuted the church, but he let God redeem his past. And then he was useful in the economy and the kingdom of God. Come on, turning point. You can't let yesterday paralyze you. Anytime you visit your past without Jesus, you're visiting a lie. Because the history of your life, if you're a Christian, shouts the blood of Jesus and that he has cleansed and redeemed those moments. Hey, that's worth an expression of praise right now. Let's give God. Come on, let's do it. How many knows he's good? Amen? You can't be paralyzed by yesterday. But can I say this to you? It's a choice. It's a choice. And some of you are sitting here saying, well, Pastor Clint, my problem is I've heard this message before, but I keep going around the revolving door of yesterday. What do I do? Can you give me some practical steps? Yes, I can. Number one, get honest. Get honest with God and get honest in community of a group of people around you that love you enough to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Make sure they're biblically sound, scripturally sound. There's people here at Turning Point. You're talking about Celebrate Recovery. There's all kinds of options, but you need to get honest. And you say, well, yeah, but if I get honest, I don't know if God can handle it. Really? Yeah, but he's the one I'm mad at. It won't bother him. Get honest. Get help. And that's where your healing will start. Talks about confession. Confessing your sins. That's forgiveness with you and God, but it's also healing when you start working with someone else that you're bringing it into the light with. A wise man told me years ago, when pain happens in your life, keep short accounts. Forgive quickly, keep short accounts, and bring, bring whatever your struggle is into light. Listen, your secrets will make you sick. You got to bring them into the light. You bring it into the light, God can deal with it. When you bring it into the light, it's like a weed. You can just pull a weed up. You keep it in the shadows, it'll grow to a tree. And then God's got to take a tree out of your heart. That's a lot. That's, that's a major surgery right there. Are you with me? So how do we move beyond yesterday? Get honest. Get help. Start the healing process. What's the next enemy of today? Tomorrow. Some of us are not, it's not that we're paralyzed with yesterday. Many of you have moved on from yesterday. I'm just, have you heard about the Middle East? What's going to happen in the election? What's going to happen with my health? What's going to happen with my kids? And the list goes on and on and on and on. And you worry. We have any professional worriers in this service? You know it's an actually documented thing now. There's, there's multiple levels of worriers. There's level one worrier. Level one worrier, you worry some of the time. Show of hands, some of you, you just worry some of the time. Level two worriers, you worry all the time. Come on, show of hands, let's get honest here. You know, <laughs> that's all right to point, some of you are pointing. You know what a professional worrier is? A professional worrier 
is you ain't only worried about yourself, you're worried about the other people that don't worry enough. So you worry for them. But Pastor Clint, don't you understand that there's bad stuff that can happen out there in our future? Yes, but I don't have to live in it now. When we get there, God will be with us as things unfold. But we're going to trust him today. Someone say today. Tell the person beside you, I'm going to live in today. Not tomorrow. I'm not going to be consumed with tomorrow because we know worry doesn't work for us. Worry works on us. Right? We've heard it said that faith can move mountains. Well, fear and worry creates mountains. And some of us have created some Himalayas. It's a big mountain. Because we've worried that thing into existence. And Jesus says, give me today. Give me this day. My daily bread. You know what that signifies? Jesus doesn't only know when you have a need. He knows how much you need when he supplies it. Philippians 4, is it 19? My God will supply all of my need according to his resources in heaven. You know that's speaking to more than just financial. That means whatever you're lacking, God's not lacking. I'm lacking peace this morning. Kingdom's not lacking peace. I'm lacking rest. He's not lacking rest. I'm lacking strength. He's not lacking strength. I'm lacking community. He's not lacking community. Whatever you have in the kingdom, come on, show of hands. Say, God, give that to me this morning on this Father's Day weekend. I receive it to live in this day. This day. Yeah, that's good. Go ahead and give the Lord praise. I believe that's why Matthew 18 or 28, 18 says, I will be with you even to the end of the age. But I love the original Greek translation. Here's what it says. Day by day, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Day by day. Day by day. Deuteronomy 33, 25. And as thy months, that's not what it says, Right? As thy years, what's it say? As thy days, so shall your strength be. We typically measure our lives in years, and God says, I measure in days. As your day is, so shall your strength be. God's measured out the amount of strength you need for this day. And some of you are saying, I'm exhausted. That's because you're living in more than today. You're worried about three weeks out from now. And you're trying to, and you're exhausted. God says, I've given you strength for today. As this day, so shall your strength be. Listen to all these places in Scripture where the Bible says, His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Lamentations 3.22 or every day. 2 Corinthians 4.16. The Apostle Paul says, Don't lose heart, though outwardly you waste away. Inwardly you are renewed day by day. Luke 9.23. Jesus didn't say, Take up your cross monthly. Take up your cross yearly. What do he say? Take up your cross. What's he talking about? The principle of trusting God with today. 
I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you to me. I'm guilty of losing moments in the day because I'm so focused on what's going to happen six months from now or three weeks from now. Or I'm consumed. I put a DVD in my mind and I hit play and it goes back and plays over and over a moment of where something hurt or injured. I'm just like you. And I have to make a choice to say, God said I have to trust him incrementally in 24-hour intervals because the enemy's greatest tool to rob me of my moment today is what has not happened and what has happened. And I can't do anything about either. I'm in this day. There's wives waiting on a husband to just live in this day. There's husbands waiting on a wife to just get in this day. Children that are waiting on parents to just get in this day. Listen, this is all you got. We don't have tomorrow promise according to this. And yesterday you can't bring back. So what do we have? Today. How can I be in the moment today? I have a 22-year-old son. I have an 18-year-old daughter. She just graduated. Some of my greatest lessons in life have been parenting. And I've not even remotely close been a perfect parent. I have learned how to be a, pray, how to be a praying parent. And God knows when they hit teenage years, I really learned to pray. Be a pr- praying. But you know what? In those moments, I would not be truthful with you if I would say there's moments I wish I could go back and change, but I can't go back and live in yesterday. But for the sake of the illustration, are you all okay if I pull one yesterday story to help land this plane? When my baby girl was, she'll always be my baby girl, she's 18 now, but when she was much smaller and she'd run around in her little pajamas and I'd come home, I was a pastoring in Atlanta at that time, Atlanta, Georgia. I'd come home from meetings in the evenings or elders meetings or whatever it would be. I'd be exhausted and she was little running around and getting around bedtime. She always wanted me to read to her. She she loved books. She loved hearing stories. I'd go in her bedroom. She'd have all little stuffed animals put up on the bed. She'd be in her pajamas. She'd crawl in the middle. She had books. She had the light. She had everything right. And I was supposed to come in and be in the moment. And I'd go in there and I'd sit down and we'd open the book and I guess sometimes those were Jonah stories and Bible stories. Sometimes they were Jack and the Beanstalk stories, whatever they were. But I'd open that book and she'd say, Daddy, you've got to read to me. You've got to finish what you started, the story. And I'd go in there and I'd start reading to her and I was exhausted. And when she's little and little kids like that, they get about a few pages into the story. What do they do? They start not right? Start, I'd look over and she'd be nodding off. And when she would nod off, I'd flip about 10 pages. See, Jack and the Beanstalk. Now we're in Mother Goose. How do we get in Mother Goose? We're over. And next thing you know, you know, she was going on to sleep, and I had read. Months went by. I remember one of those moments when I came home and thought I was going to be the dad of the year. 
My schedule had went well. My day had worked right. I had everything structured. I get home early, and I want to be the champion dad. So when it's bedtime, I want to read her a book. Man, this is perfect. We can write about this kind of a moment. And I was trying to get her in bed one to read her story. And she said, nah, I don't want you to read stories to me. You always flip pages when you think I'm sleeping. Crush me. I can't get those moments back. What I do to read her a book. She's 18, beautiful girl right now, growing up. I remember when that happened. I had a quiet time with the Lord, and the Lord said, Yeah. You've been flipping pages on me as well, haven't you? You're always living for the next. Always the next project. Always the next miracle. Always the next big thing. But Clint, I want to be with you in this moment. Why can't you just be present with me in this moment? Why are you flipping pages? Today, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to begin this day with the people God's put around me, with the things that God wants to say and do. Tomorrow's not here. I can't do anything about yesterday. But I've got today. Would you stand with me? Eyes closed. Just extend your hands out like this if you would. This is just an act of just saying to God that I want to receive today. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Just pray this prayer with me if you would. Heavenly Father. I ask for your forgiveness for being paralyzed by yesterday. I invite you into the hurt and pain, the loss. Redeem it. Change it for good. But I will not be paralyzed by it. Heal my heart. Forgive me for being so focused on tomorrow that I can't be in this moment. Remove that fear and worry from my heart and my life. I repent for not being in the moment with you. And God, if I've been flipping pages with my family, with you, I repent. Change the way I think and restore to me the beauty of today. Today is the day of salvation. And I receive your kingdom. Amen. I just want to make sure there's no one that possibly has put off thinking 
there's a better time to get right with God. Because you might be the person that says, I'll deal with it tomorrow. But the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. This is your day. Now listen to me. It's all we got. Tomorrow's not promised. Yesterday's gone. And so I just take a moment before I finish something and participate on something with Pastor Jeff here. If you just close your eyes. That might be one hand. You may be elderly. You may be young. You may be a teenager. You may, I don't know. But if you're here and you've heard this message today and something in your heart's kind of like, man, I just felt like somebody was speaking to me but I'm not where I'm supposed to be in my relationship with God. I know it. I keep putting it off. But today is my day. Today's the day of salvation. And Pastor Clint, I want to receive Christ. Today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. On the count of three, I just want you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you. I see your hand. And I see your hand. I see your hand, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Keep your hand up if you have your hand. If you're one of the leaders here at Turning Point, I want you to look around. There's about three or four hands. No one else looking around. But if you're a leader and somebody's got their hand up behind you, just raise your hand, sir, if you had your hand up. In the back, there's a hand. There's one right here, right over in the middle, back here. I just asked one of the leaders to go stand with them, if you would. There's one in the back, way back here. There's a lady here, right over here. And just go stand with them, because I don't want to call them out, embarrass any of that today. Right in the very back, very back, thank you. Now, everyone can pray this prayer with me. It will not hurt you. Okay, there's hands up. There's three or four different hands. Listen, this is incredible. Somebody's receiving Christ today. Somebody's receiving Christ. This is a beautiful thing. Right now, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I bring my life before you. I recognize I need a Savior. I don't only confess with my mouth, but I believe in my heart, which means I surrender to your Lordship. I receive you into my life. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, I pray. The strong Son of God you are. Amen. Hey, come on, let's give God.